1: Hey there! Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlanda is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent, and you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also, do that while you're here. Okay, let's get into it. Today is the deadline most of you know for underclassmen to withdraw from the 2023 NBA draft so there were a lot of interesting decisions in the past 24 hours we'll get to the notable ones at some point in this podcast but the place to start is in West Lafayette because Zach Eady the rainy CBS Sports National Player of the Year has announced that he is withdrawing from the draft and returning to Purdue for a fourth season dead leg that means Purdue will remain number two in the top 25 and one behind only Kansas. Let's start with your thoughts on Zach Eadie returning to the Bola Makers.
0: Great news for college basketball because we get the National Player of the Year back for a second consecutive year. Last year was Oscar Shibwe. And when we did this kind of pot a year ago when Shibwe announced that he was returning, uh, we noted in that one, but as a refresher, uh, we had gone a dozen years where the National Player of the Year, either because the eligibility had expired or they were the National Player of the Year and they wanted to move on along, uh, quite understandably, did not return to college basketball. But now, because of the way that the game is played and and having big men who, uh, whose skill sets are not uh, putting them in a position to be surefire first-round draft picks, she, boy, who did a year ago, now Edie, we get um, the most accomplished player in the sport returning to the sport, that's great news for college hoops. Uh, there's winners all around here because Purdue has its army of cynic skeptics and mockers. And Edie returning is going to cause a lot of people to say, what the hell does this even mean? OK, you're going to make it to the second round this year. I'm not here for that kind of shade, but it is it, it, it will be shade regardless with that. Um, Edie got some really good looks at the. At the NBA level, I'm going to echo with uh, what our buddy Sam Bassini. We'll see if we can get to him before the pod's over here. It's an emergency pod and now we're tight on time, Sam. But uh, I had heard things in the past 24 hours, what Sam tweeted on Wednesday night as well. And that was this was a very tough decision for Zach. Uh, sometimes you have guys who are conceived to be like 50-50 guys but in reality, they kind of like just let the string play out for the final few weeks and it's kind of a open secret that they're going to be returning to school. That's not what this was. And I I believe Zach Eady would have been drafted had he stayed in the draft. I think there's a chance he would have been drafted in the top 45 had he stayed in the draft. But for whatever motivations or whatever reasons, and we will eventually find them out as Zach Eady will, uh will no doubt be talking about the process he went through and, and uh, what ultimately led to him deciding to return. It's not just NIL. As a reminder, he is Canadian-born, so he will have some NIL coming to him. But he is still... Uh, in fact, Purdue was right on it. <laughs> they, had, they had an NIL initiative with a, the with a Zach's back shirt. Uh, Nada's bringing it up right here, right now on the YouTube feed. Uh, he still has to go through other processes to get his visa uh, to, to allow him to be able to earn NIL at a higher clip than he does. So I don't think it's just that, but it's big-time news. Uh, it's not unexpected news, but I do think it was a pretty close call here. He brought it down to just a few hours before the wire. As we watch, as we do this live, shouts to our Everyone who hopped on this emergency pod, we are a little more than two hours out before the deadline. There will be a few names that come out afterward. Anything relevant, we'll get to on a future show, but we're going to talk about the biggest names from Wednesday. You have Purdue at two. They're going to stay steady there because you had Edie returning all the way. I will note that just before we fired up this emergency uh, pod, GP, Bart Torvik, the man himself, has Purdue projected, number one with Edie coming back along with another cast of characters there. And uh, certainly there's a case to be made. It's what I like to see. think Some diversity of thoughts. So Torvik heading into the season will not have Kansas or Duke or anyone else in the mix to be number one. He has the Purdue Boilermakers. And uh, for everyone watching in the chat, our, our chat question, poll question, I believe is, Yes or no, will Purdue make it as far as the Elite Eight next season? Log your vote if you're watching. Uh, I'll blindly say yes. They're going to have Edie back, and he's going to try and one up himself after what was one of the better big man seasons we've seen in the past 10 years.
1: I will say, even though I do not have Purdue number one, it is way more sensible to have Purdue number one than it is to mock Purdue for being number two, which is what I've been dealing with since version 1.0. Of the top 25 and one. And I know the season ended badly with a loss to Fairleigh Dickinson. But when you are returning six of the top seven scorers, including the national player of the year, from a team that won the Big Ten regular season title, won the Big Ten tournament, and secured a one seed in the NCAA tournament, you should be ranked either one or two or somewhere really close to that.
0: Irrefutably top five if you really want to be, you know, conservative with all of it. Yeah.
1: People get so caught up on how it ended, and I get it. Like that, you know, that is the most important game of the season, and they lost it. They blew it. They were terrible. I understand. But great teams lose to not great teams all the time. All the time. Sixteens? That's not what I mean. I know. I mean great teams lose to not great teams all the time. It just rarely happens to that degree in that moment. But the national champions like lost to St. John's
0: last season. All right? Uh, now that's, it's, that's not the same. Golden I, Gate Mike doesn't apply. Uh, okay. It your Gate, Mike Slander. It you wasn't the
1: NCAA, it wasn't in the NCAA tournament. It wasn't the last game of the year, so nobody cares. But what if Yukon was playing the equivalent of St. John's in the first round of the NCAA tournament and lost that game? We would think you know you you'd be like it 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 is it, that since Purdue had a bad game when you cannot afford to have a bad game. Period. But that doesn't mean Purdue wasn't very good last season. Every metric you look at, every way you chop it up, Purdue was one of the best teams in the country last season that just had a terrible game when you could not afford to have a terrible game. Uh, I'm, it was in the process of updating the top 25-1 and one before we started this podcast. I'll finish later tonight. But one of the points I make is that Purdue now has a chance. Um, Purdue is now the undeniable favorite to win the Big Ten.
0: And there's going to be some Sparty fans who are going to want to box you on that one. I'm not there, but they also got good news today and MSU will have its sights on winning the Big Ten. It's fine. MSU
1: can have its sights on whatever it wants. I'm just saying heading into the season, the reigning Big Ten champs that won the league by three games, returning six of their top seven has to be the favorite.
0: I I gotcha. I'm then just, we'll
1: then we'll then we'll play the season, and whatever happens will happen. But the idea that anybody would be favored in the Big Ten over Purdue is
0: nonsensical. All right, Purdue. On that note, hold on. The chat rings up. We we can't let this go on any longer. Credit to Tom Izzo. He had it first. Zach Eady coming back. Tom he reported it first weeks ago. You're going to listen. If you're a diehard for college hoops, you're going to read a lot of stuff. You're going to listen to a lot of stuff, but there's a lot of phonies out there. And this is the only place you will find proper crediting in the reporting realm. Michigan state coach Tom Izzo had it first weeks ago. Zachy e. would be returning to Purdue. Tom, great scoop. We look forward to your next one.
1: Purdue will be the favorite in the big 10 and have a chance to do what Virginia did a few years back which is bounce back from a rare loss to a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament and compete for the national championship. I'm not predicting Purdue's going to do what Virginia did. I'm just saying it is very much in the cards, and anybody suggesting otherwise is a dumb-dumb. Also dumb-dumbs, also dumb-dumbs, the people who act like because Zach Eady isn't a, an ideal NBA prospect, that he's somehow, like, not as awesome at the collegiate level as he clearly was. Like, I got this tweet. I tweeted, Zach Eady's withdrawing from the draft and returning to Purdue. Like, simple, all factual, no commentary. Here's one of the responses. I would be curious what Edie is if the Big Ten called three seconds on him since he spends 10 seconds in the lane every time he touches the ball. The Big Ten zebras protect him. It's not even funny. He isn't that good. <laughs> First off, I yes, dare man. you to find me one possession. Somebody might be able to do this. I might be walking I might be walking. I might be walking. I might be walking into this. <laughs> you probably are. I might be walking into this. Somebody send me video of Zach Edie standing in the lane for 10 seconds. I was wrong. Might I might be, might I be, be <laughs> walking into it but I would I'll put you to the test if you got a synergy subscription get to work um I, I just listen he is an awesome college basketball player who is a less than ideal NBA prospect. I agree with you I think he would have been picked but and I'll let Zach speak for himself when unless he asked me to speak for him. I'll let Zach speak for himself when the topic comes up of why exactly did you turn down the likelihood of being a second round pick to return to Purdue my guess perhaps i'm projecting a little bit but my guess would be name image and likeness he's going to make some money real money and also some combination of not wanting your career to end like that with a loss to a 16 seed mm-hmm. and just uh, balancing quality of life and enjoyment as it pertains to these two possible decisions like do you want to be the 45th pick in the draft that's where you put the number it's fine with me it seems reasonable you want to be the 45th pick in the draft sign a yeah two year guaranteed deal for real money in the nba and then sit on the bench next season like hey travel around the country and sit on the bench that's what a 45th pick in the draft does it sits on the bench you want to do that or do you want to play in sold out arenas Every night, including Pinnacle
0: Bank, just posting up for 10 seconds in the lane, posting up for 10 seconds in the lane,
1: (laughs) being the best player on your team, the best player in college basketball and trying to not undo what was done last March, but change the ending to your Purdue story. Don't be the national player of the year who lost to a 16 seed in his final game at the collegiate level be a two-time national player of the year who led Purdue to the Final Four for the first time since I believe the number is 1980. Correct. Yes. To me, Again, these players, I will always say this. I didn't believe this when I was young, but as you get older, hopefully you get wiser, and I now 100% subscribe to this. These players can do anything they want. It doesn't matter to me. I'm worried about my kids, not anybody else's. But if you... Al- allow me to lay out the options for me or if it were one of my children, it would be crystal clear what we're going to do. Being the 45th pick in the draft is always going to be there for Zach Eady. All right. He could be the 45th pick in the draft next year or the year after the year after the year after. Um, But having an opportunity to spend this next season in college doing all the things I've already discussed, that's something if you leave, you never get it back and if I were advising him, he is doing exactly what I would have told him I think he should do.
0: Edie announced his return on Twitter with a tweet that said, run it back, and then the, uh, the recycle emoji and the uh, Wolf of Wall Street gif. Um, I mean, it's, it's solid. Uh, how are we feeling about that gif usage in 2023? Has it, has it reached its saturation point?
1: I think it's pretty well known. It's Leonardo DiCaprio. That's fine with me. I mean, I as a forty-six year old man, I don't think I'm in any position to be ranking GIFs right. or, Jeffs or anything else.
0: The best the best announcement that a player was coming back happened earlier this week. We'll get to that later in the show. But nice and efficient for Edie. Um, last season he averaged twenty-two point three points, twelve point nine rebounds, two point one blocks, and became the first player. In college, in at least 20 years, to average 22 points, 12 rebounds, two blocks a game. He also, this is wild. This is according to Purdue, and I checked in earlier on this to, to make sure this was accurate, and it is. So, ED ranks sixth nationally in scoring, second in boards, 19th in blocks per game, 21st in field goal percentage. He's only one of five players in the last 30 years to rank in the top 25 in those statistical categories. And he's the only one in 20 years to do it. Trivia time? Okay, let's go. All right, let me give you a hint here. So only one other player, it's crazy to think about, but evidently true. Only one other player in the past 20 years has finished, I'm talking talking, talking top five, top 10, top 25 in scoring boards, blocks, and field goal percentage. You would think like dominant big man kind of coming in and out. There wasn't more than one guy in the past 20 years that did that. There was not. Who was the player? You get two hints. Okay. Did not play in a power conference. Right. And had his 15 minutes of fame because he was on a team that made the tournament and they made a little bit of noise and this would have been anywhere between five and 15 years ago to give you a window. Okay. It's a lot to process. A lot to process. So you can get in three guesses. Non-big six big. Got some... uh, Got some good runs, some good pub for uh, for what he helped do. Uh, was a good player, too. Was a genuinely good college player. This sounds like Omar Samham. It is bingo, bingo, oh, Did bingo. I get that dinner? Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> how, did I know, how, how did I know that? Oh, you're so happy. You're so excited. Ah, I'm, that hints might have been too good. Omar Samhan is that dude. He is the only player in the past 20 years other than Edie to finish top 25 in scoring boards, block shots and field goal percentage in the same season, joining the likes of such legends as central Michigan's Chris Kamen and 03. Michael Olo the candy man, number one pick in 98. And then Tennessee States, Carlos Rogers did it in 94. Who did not know that um, he's coming off a huge year. We'll tie it up on this before we move on to the Kentucky stuff. And speaking of Kentucky, you and I had a little bit of a tête-à-tête a back in October uh, of last year when I did not vote for Oscar Sheboy for National Player of the Year because, one, uh, traditionally, we almost never get that. Uh, and, two, I just didn't – I I didn't. I wasn't convinced that he was going to be able to put up numbers that match what he did the season before um, with the roster that Kentucky had. But I'm going to declare right now, I, I will pick – Edie for national player of the year in the preseason this season, because he was so good and he's continued to get better. And while there could actually be some more production around him as those guards get older. Um, he was such his dominance was different than Sheboys. And obviously he's, he's a larger human. I think he's going to be an even better passer. I think he'll probably here's the scary part. Like he was an, he was a, a pretty good defender. He's going to probably be monstrous if he wasn't that already. Like I think he's going to grow to that. So we must be in agreement here, right, GP? Like It it can only be him considering just how dominant and prominent he was for the entirety of the season, correct? Correct. Um, I'll
1: be logically consistent here. Um, Purdue has to be the Big Ten favorite based on the fact that they won the Big Ten by three games last season and are returning six of the top seven, including the National Player of the Year. Similarly, Zach Eady has to be the preseason National Player of the Year because he was the unanimous National Player of the Year this season. He's back, in his team's preseason top five. Like, yep. what do we even like? There's no, there's no real conversation I to be had. Person,
0: yeah, I, I was open to the conversation last year. I can't get there with anyone else heading into this season. It's got to be Eady across the board.
1: Yeah, you you. Like, and then and then same thing I said about the Big Ten race. And then we'll start playing games and we'll see how it goes. But I don't know how you could make an intelligent argument for anybody other than Zach Eady, preseason national player of the year. Can we circle back to that Omar Samham thing? Sure. That
0: was wild. It was wild. It was a great call, man. If I hadn't given you Big Six, I don't non Big Six player. I'm not sure you would have gotten it. But if you wouldn't that.
1: have said, not, it, honestly, I was preparing my answer. If you wouldn't have said, did not play in a power conference, I would have said Leaky Black. Okay. But when you limited okay. it, I just started. I just started trying to think of front court players who played on teams that, and he just popped into my head. I don't even know how that happened. Sometimes things happen in this world you don't even know how they happen. That was one we all experienced that together.
0: Thing that happens. Hey. Huge news for Purdue, but you know who might be the polar opposite of Purdue on this day of all days? It could be the Kentucky Kentucky Wildcats. Two thumbs down day for UK. We'll talk about it next. First,
1: we
2: got a word from our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on
1: LinkedIn.com
2: slash recommend today.
1: So like that, like I said, it was a great day for Purdue. Not so great day for Kentucky. Oscar Shibway, the, Former National Player of the Year announced he's remaining in the NBA draft even though it is possible, if not probable, that he'll not be selected. Chris Livingston also announced he'll remain in the NBA draft even though it's possible, if not probable, he will not be selected. And Antonio Reeves did withdraw from the NBA draft but isn't sure if he's going to stay at Kentucky. Is John Calipari... In trouble, dead leg or relax? He's still got the number one recruiting class in the country. They'll be fine.
0: Uh, He does have the number one recruiting class, but they got to get Reeves back, right? And then the question becomes: Who they get in the portal? How many players does Kentucky have on its roster? I'm, I'm. Is it eight? I haven't looked. I haven't on the roster right now. I have not looked.
1: um, Like, I have not confirmed this, but I saw somebody tweet. Currently, in this moment, right now,
0: yeah, Kentucky
1: has seven scholarship players.
0: <laughs> man, oh man, that's jeez. Uh, now they do have. Listen, they've got the number one class coming in. Wagner should be tremendous. Dillingham has awesome appeal to him. Um, Aaron Bradshaw, another name to know there. But Reeves, man, you got to figure he's gonna be back in the fold probably. And then who are they gonna get in the portal? But no, hey, hey listen, no getting around it, man like the Sheboy stuff isn't a surprise, but in losing him and losing Livingston and and it all happening at once. And then Reeves is undetermined about what's going to happen there. Um, Yeah. I mean, I'll just tell you, tell you this, like they lose Reeves and they're going to get someone in the portal. Okay. At least two players, at least two players in the portal. They need more than that. But like, if those are top, 45 level players, but not like, you know, not top 20, top 30. I'm not convinced I would put Kentucky in the preseason rankings. I, there's that many freshmen. I just, I don't, I don't know if you can justify that. They've got a lot of talent, but it's young talent. SEC is going to be pretty good. Conversely, Tennessee feels like it has 17 players on the roster right now. So I, I just, I very bad day for Kentucky in the moment Calipari has been known to rally in major ways. We'll see if he can do it. But this is not how that staff thought this situation would be playing out as recently as a few weeks ago.
1: I don't doubt that John will get stuff done in the transfer portal, but I don't assume that as it pertains to the current version of the top 25 and one, which we'll update later tonight. So I'm just basing it on what you've got committed right now. I dropped him 24, not completely out, but like, I know the freshmen are awesome. But I think we're past the point where you go win with like your f- best four sure. best players being freshmen.
0: Especially when we're still in the COVID era where guys are getting the bonus year and so right. teams on the average are a lot older. Yeah. yeah, like I don't think you win
1: big if your best four players are freshmen or your best five players are freshmen. And that Kentucky in this moment looks like it's headed in that direction. Again, they'll get stuff done in the portal. They'll add experience. They'll add older guys. They'll fill out the roster. But On May 31st, this is not where UK. I echo what you just said. It's not where UK thought it would be. Are you surprised that Kentucky, of all places, is losing in in players who might not get drafted? Like, listen, uh, we'll get to Andre Jackson in a minute. Left UConn, he's projected to go in the top 35 or somewhere in that. He could be a first rounder. He could be, you know, but he's going to get picked. He's going to get a guaranteed contract. I don't want to say there's nothing you can do about that if you're UConn, but it, like those are the types of players colleges lose all the time. For Kentucky to lose Oscar, for Oscar Shibway to pick being done with Kentucky, even if the alternative to being at Kentucky is, is maybe G League, two way contract, certainly not getting picked is on the table. It just, something's off there. Because, like, they they it's Kentucky, they should have all the name, image, they, <laughs> they have had staff members brag, nobody's doing better in name, image, and likeness than Kentucky Wildcats. They've had people publicly who work in that program publicly proclaim that. And I'm not here to argue or debate it, I'm just saying, if that's true, how do you lose Oscar Sheepway and Chris Livingston?
0: Well, I, you know, it could be person by person, and sometimes. You know, players just get done with college. They just don't want to be part of that. Process. And you've mentioned that before, obviously. And that's, that's sometimes part of it. But from a big picture perspective, you look at Kentucky, you look at what it's been like in recent seasons there. And, you know, you had the really, really bad season during the COVID year. They were good <clears throat> two seasons ago, and then they get flamed out by St. Peter's. Um, but like, there are just these things keep on piling up and mounting. And, I don't know what is amiss, but when you are the University of Kentucky, and we look up at the end of May, and your roster has seven players on it under scholarship, seven, eight players, right? Depending on, I guess, how how you read the review situation. Um, yeah, that's that's fairly urgent. Now, maybe this class is going to be phenomenal, and as a freshman unit they are going to just be gangbusters and turn into among the most entertaining and successful groups in the country. That would sure be a hell of a story and would love to document it and talk about it. We'll see. But if you're a Kentucky fan, I'm just going to project here. I I have to believe that essentially for the past, since the St. Peter's loss and really even before that, but for, for recent history purposes, you've just been living with, a level of consternation and unease that should not be attached to your program. Cause you are one of the three biggest programs in the sport. And you look around and like North Carolina had a disastrous season. It's not in this situation right now. Mm-mm. Okay. Kansas is nowhere near this situation right now. Duke had to handle a major coaching change where if it had even like slipped and bumbled backward out of a window and found itself in this situation, it would be odd, but you could kind of say, well, there's been a lot of change there. Maybe semi understandable It's nowhere close to that right now uh, with Duke. If you want to extend the the blue blood conversation, UCLA UCLA is a little bit tight at the moment, but it did get a Dambona back a very big addition and someone who was, you know, testing in through the process there uh, as well. Even the likes of UConn bringing players back again, blue bloods Villanova, which we'll get to in a few here had a tremendous week. It is odd. And, you know, I noticed the chat, someone brought up Arthur Kaluma. certainly like Kentucky getting Arthur Kaluma, If that even happens, I don't know if that's going to happen. What I do know is, Kentucky is massively appealing and it has minutes to give. And Kaluma will be among the most tempting and accomplished players in the portal now. And that would, to me, outside looking in, Kentucky would be as enticing if I'm Kaluma as any player out there, given that he's not he's not in the draft anymore. He's coming back to college and is going to go in the portal and we'll see where he goes. So if they get Columa, like that's a big get, but it is bizarre to see Kentucky in this kind of situation. And now the question becomes, will we look up at the end of December and they're kind of still in, in this, in this semi spiral or um, can Cal really rally? Because if this upcoming season is rickety and up and down and bumpy and all this stuff, um it was already noisy as hell for cal last season i mean this it was weekly he i i find it hard to believe he could go through another season like if if the roster isn't up to fans expectations and they just can't keep themselves in the ranked conversation with regularity gp week over week then we really might have a melodrama on our hands in lexington even bigger than the one that we had last year well
1: you just bounced through some of the blue bloods right um and you mentioned duke Cal Filipowski is a better NBA pros- prospect than Oscar Shebue or Chris Livingston, and somehow Duke was able to get him back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like that—that that would be concerning to me if I were a Kentucky administrator, a Kentucky staff member, or a Kentucky fan. We are supposed to be the biggest and the baddest. We're supposed to be leading the sport in NIL, and we have dudes who might not get drafted, just staying in the draft instead of coming back to school. Why? That question needs to be asked. If I were Mitch Barnhart, I'd be asking that question. If I were a Kentucky fan, I'd be asking that question. Hey, Casey Wallace, fine. What are we going to do? Project the top 20 pick. That guy's going basically every time. But why are we losing guys to the NBA draft who aren't going to be drafted or, who, or at undeniably risk of not being drafted? That's a question that should be asked. I don't know
2: the answer to it, but I, I know that it's happening. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: Uh, agreed, and we'll see how they recoup and recover. Um, elsewhere, UConn. hmm Andre Jackson opts out. JP, I got to hit it. I got to hit it. I tried to tell you. I oh, was wrong. I tried. Did I not try and tell you? Was it the night of the title game or was it the pot after that?
1: It was very early on. I'll give you credit. You said, uh, Andre, you said, I, what I said is, I had everybody coming back except Jordan Hawkins. Right. And, and I said, at it. least
0: one of Sunogo or Jackson would be gone. Turns out both of them were gone, which right. means, in my estimation, The three best and most important players on UConn's championship winning team have gone. Hawkins was always gone. Go ahead.
1: I was going to ask you because I I actually have this in some notes that I made at the last minute. It is technically now UConn's losing three of the top six scores. Okay. But but it's probably three of the top three players or three of the top four players because Andre didn't score. He's very important to everything they do
0: without a doubt as i had in my newser for for uh for cbsports.com he was a scouting report menace because he did so many things uh, it, th- a cliche example of all of the intangibles that genuinely make a uh, coaching uh, a guy like him for a team like they were all the more fun and, and more of a headache for opponents there. So you kind of lost his three best play. Now, this is this is the trade off. <laughs> like, this is actually how it was for a long time. You win the national championship. You're losing at least three of your dudes to the NBA. So that is you take that every single time. And I bet you on some level, Hurley and that staff, even though. Sonogo kind of well, Sunogo's not a surprise. I, I guess it became official on Wednesday. That was understood weeks ago, uh, but Jackson really taking it to the end there. Um, maybe it was a little bit of like, well, maybe he will change his mind, but um, there's got to be a lot of pride. And you also sell that in recruiting. Not only to win a championship. Look at us. Like, look, look, look what we did. Hawkins going to be a lottery pick. Sonogo played himself into being drafted and Andre Jackson might even be a first round pick and he doesn't even have a jump shot yet. Um, so they lose their three most important players. Now, Tristan Newton did announce, I think before the crack of dawn on Wednesday that he was coming back, not unexpected. You had that baked in. So Newton's back. They get Klingon back. Klingon could be, we'll see. I'm not going to declare this to be the case on the pod. All right. By no means. There's a lot of bigs out there, but Klingon could grow into a top three big in the sport next season. We'll see now that he's not going to be competing with Snogo for minutes. Uh, we'll see about that. But you do have the reigning national champions, losing their three most important players. You had UConn once upon a time you had them one, then you dropped them down to two. You haven't updated the top 25 and one yet. I don't think, um, I'm going to say this with UConn with where it is now, look forward to covering the team and see what Hurley does with this group. And they've got a lot of interesting promise. They got a good freshman class coming in. I would not have UConn as a top 10 team heading into next season. Do you know where you're going to put them now? I am. I'm just working through it, but I had them at 11. I dropped them to 11. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: because you look at the roster now, and I agree that like the Klingon-Sanogo thing could end up being like the – it won't end up being like this. Let me start over. Yeah. Um, but like you'll get the point I'm making. Two years ago, Zach Eady and Trevion Williams had to split minutes. They could not play together. And so they split minutes, and they were both really good, but neither one of them was going to be able to be a statistical monster because they were both playing like a little more than 20 minutes a game or something like that. Um now, when you got Trevion Williams out of his way and just said Zach Eady, you're the guy in the middle and you're going to play as many minutes as you can play, he was a monster. I don't think Klingon's going to be the national player of the year next season, but I I do think. And let me also be clear: I would love to have Sanogo back if I were Dan Hurley. Right? I'm not saying, "Oh, this is a blessing in disguise." It's not. You want Sanogo back but you lose him and that will free up a lot of stuff for Klingon, And I I do think he'll develop into one of the best bigs in the country. Maybe not the best, but I think he'll, you know, for ranking best 10 bigs in college basketball in February, I think he's got a chance to be one of those. Oh,
0: for sure. And I think he's got a chance to actually be a lottery pick next season. If anything, it was a bit surprising, uh, but refreshing again, great for college hoops that he announced as quick as he did that he would be returning there. And, getting him back is going to be humongous for UConn. You lose Jackson. Um, he's a fascinating prospect. Maybe we'll get to him in some sort of capacity on a future episode when we kind of get into some draft prospects there. Uh, because if he had a jump, i maintain if he had a jump shot that was reliable, he would be a lot of pick cause he's a, he's a tremendous all around defender, good playmaker, really good instincts and top three athlete in the draft, in my opinion. So, um, That's a a significant but not unexpected ding for UConn as we do this GP. Oh, by the way, Anton Watson is back at. I was hoping we get at least one in the midst of this emergency podcast. Anton Watson is back for Gonzaga. That's a big one. Malachi Smith is going to stay in the draft GP, do you have your rankings up in front of you? Did you have Watson baked into your forecast? And where do you have the zags?
1: I had Watson baked in. I also had Malachi Smith baked in. So now I have to remove him. You love today, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, it's uh.
0: but this is as busy of a day as you get in the offseason, to be honest. So yeah. like, it's going to be here and there. But this is like this is really like a middle middle January Tuesday with how much action we have with you. Yeah, life.
1: it's been busy. So um, I did a podcast with Dan Dickow last week. He told me Malachi Smith probably wasn't coming back. Perhaps I should have listened to him considering he's a
0: Gonzaga legend. Uh, yeah, actually, actually, Dan, I'll take it from here. Yeah. <laughs> Cute little theory you got there, but uh, all right. That's what I got. Thanks.
1: I just didn't want to update without any sort of actual news, you know, like, According to Dan Dickow, which maybe I should have just, according to Dan Dickow, Malachi you Smith, I, you know, I should have just.
0: You need to credit Dan Dickow and Tom Izzo. And, and Tom you know. Izzo, right. Dickow. So he he knew, it seemed to, it certainly
1: suggested he knew Malachi Smith was not coming back. And, and you know, if anybody would know, it would be him. He's still close to that program all these years later. And he, like, you know, he uh, works in college basketball media. He calls games for us at CBS Sports Network. He's tremendous. I love Dan Dickow. Um, so he knew it. Um, I now have to adjust for it. I moved Gonzaga down to 18. Like, I, I, we talked about this before. I really like the addition of Hard. I really like, love the addition of Graham E.K. more than most people do. But losing Malachi Smith matters. He was the sixth man of the year in the West Coast Conference. And, you know, when you lose somebody that matters, you, you have to drop. And so Gonzaga is one of the teams that dropped. Basically, as I'm looking at it now, you kind of had to drop because of Andre Jackson staying in the draft. Zags have to drop because of Malachi Smith staying in the draft. <laughs> Kentucky had to drop for all the reasons we've already, you know, gone through. And I did move Villanova into the top 25 and one with the addition of Tyler Burton. So those are the major changes that you'll see in version 16.0 of the top 25 and one.
0: I laughed out of nowhere because I did text Paner. I said, credit to Izzo. He had it first. And he goes, Izzo had the Scoopy Just <laughs> um, that is just tremendous. I love it. Um, OK, let's get to a, a few other decisions here that came down on Friday. We'll start. With Creighton. So, Kaluma is not coming back. Trey Alexander is. And then, although this wasn't today, my absolute favorite announcement that a player was returning. As a writer, I appreciate this economy of words, the clarity of the message, and how to the point it was. It's right here on the screen. Ryan Kalkbrenner, quote, I am coming back to Creighton for another year, period, and not an exclamation point, not an emoji, not a GIF, not any sort of graphic. It's just I'm going to tweet this out. It was <laughs> the, the simplicity of this. Oh, by the way, another guy who could be a top three big in the country and could be the front runner for defensive player of the year heading into next season. Um, Ryan Kalkbrenner. I'm coming back to Creighton for another year, just to the point. if i if I were his editor, I would have said, if we're really trying to
1: keep this as simple as possible, replace coming back with returning. We lose a word.
0: That's true. if you want to if you really want to slice this down, I'm returning to Creighton for another year, or you could even just say I'm returning to Creighton, but that could leave it technically open for a little bit of interpretation, right.
1: Another year. Here I we go. another year. yeah, I would have I would have replaced coming back with returning, but either way, simple short to the point. I can appreciate it. That that, that 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 that's not a that's not a Norlander column, right? Ryan okay. Kalkbrenner,
0: Ryan Kalkbrenner will
1: never. That's a that's a three second. You would have you would have that if you had I to announce it. Ryan Kalkbrenner was leaving Creighton, it'd have been a seven minute read.
0: No, I can keep. I listen. I got versatility. I can keep it nice and short. You haven't seen me once use that feature where you can tweet like three thousand. It hasn't happened once, and never will happen. Okay, on the tweet machine, brevity. Brevity all the way. All right, Creighton. This is also working as a refresher for our listeners. Gets Trey Alexander back. Not going to have Kaluma. Kalk Brenner's back. Baylor Shireman previously announced his return. Big East has a lot of doings going on. We're going to get to get Nova in just a second as well. Where you got Creighton?
1: Uh,
0: I've got Creighton number nine behind
1: Arkansas. I believe we're still waiting to hear Jordan Walsh. Is that correct?
0: We are, and I have checked in on that situation since the podcast began. I'm told no decision was even in yet, so that could be coming after we finish.
2: Debo Davis
0: is coming back, though.
1: That's right. If Jordan Walsh stays in the draft, I will drop Arkansas a little, and Creighton would move up to eight. But right now, I've got Arkansas eight, Creighton nine, Miami 10, UConn 11.
0: I think one of the most important decisions that happened on Wednesday that I did feel was truly 50-50, and that's Virginia getting Reese Beekman. Um, uh, Beekman almost Definitely. I think Beekman had a better chance of getting drafted than needy, Uh, but Beekman is going to return, which is huge for Tony Bennett and Virginia, as there will be some retooling, but getting him back, Beekman, uh, could be on the short list for defensive player of the year as well, albeit he's a different kind of defender than Kalk Brenner. And all around, I mean, we'll see what happens. But uh, if Virginia really hits it off and Beekman grows even more, he could be in the thick of the ACC player of the year race. You don't have Virginia ranked, or do you, GP?
1: I do not. But like, they're on a list of teams that I, you know, keep an eye on. But I don't think they crack the top 26 right now.
0: Okay. A couple other guys that returned. I mentioned Anton Watson. He's back. Dembona. I mentioned him. UCLA. He's back. Cliff Amorey. Another big for Rutgers. He's back. Deron Holmes for Dayton. Not totally unexpected, but there was a lot of expectations for Dayton heading into last season. Um, Just, you know, they hit some bumps along the way. Weren't what they expected to be. Uh, We'll be interested to see if Holmes uh, and they've got other talent on that roster, but if Holmes really pops, uh, we'll see about that. And then This is another situation like Arkansas, where as let me just check my feed, make sure it's not in yet. Um, We don't know Coleman Hawkins situation, but Terrence Shannon Jr. is back for Illinois, which is humongous for the Fighting Illini to get him. If they get Hawkins back, uh, would you rank the Fighting Illini amongst the top 25 and one if they get both?
1: I'm going to have to talk to Tom Fornelli about that.
0: Oh, That's also true.
1: I'm gonna to have to talk to the ghost of Tom Farnelli.
0: I need to text Tom Izzo and see what he's got with Coleman Hawkins here. It's getting kind of late. I, <laughs> I would consider <laughs> it. I text Izzo.
1: <laughs> I would consider it, but I don't. I don't know that I would get them there. Um, other ones that I think we're still waiting on. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, Dylan Mitchell at Texas.
0: We are waiting on Dylan Mitchell, who I find to be a fascinating player in all of this. And as of now, it's not in.
1: Jalen Clark at UCLA. He's in. He's
0: in the draft for good. In the draft for good. Okay. When did they announce that? That was, I don't know, like five, six hours ago. Okay. It's been a blur, you know, it's been a blur. No worries. Um, we're waiting on, I believe, chase Adige at Northwestern. Uh, TCU's got a couple of guys, Emmanuel Miller and Damian ball, both. And then Paul Mulcahy, I don't think has announced his intentions either. Um, One other guy that decided... I don't know if he's announced it, but I reported it hours ago. In fact, I'm not sure what's taking so long. Kobe Brown is going to stay in the draft. Uh, Missouri's Kobe Brown, who had a really good year. um, Was an all-SEC player, but then again, the all-SEC first team was like nine guys. So don't even get me started on that. But he was one of the four or five best players in the league last season. So that is a blow to Mizzou. Not getting him back. It makes sense. That's the right kind of call. I think... I think that's the majority of it from today. I might be missing a name or two. If you're in the chat and there's a particular guy we haven't hit on, um, feel free to chop. He's not on a
1: preseason. I'm really only focused on guys that are on top 25 and one teams or teams that could theoretically pop into the top 25 and one. So that's why like I moved Villanova in once they had Tyler Burton. Um, uh, Naquan Tomlin has announced he's returning to Kansas state. Like he was a, um, a double digit score for uh, an elite 18. So that's a notable one, but I don't have Kansas State in the top 25 and one. I, I think we've gone, I think we've touched on every guy who is still out there for a team that I could theoretically place in the next version of the top
0: 25 and one. I will, I did mention Nova and I do want to bring that up. So Nova is going to be interesting. Do you have them ranked or no, or are you considering it? I just moved them in to 20. I've
1: moved them into 25. I might take them higher.
0: Um, You know, it's just, yeah, yeah, but like they've got, they've got some good pieces now. Well, they get Justin Moore back, which is significant. And then they're adding four players in the portal. Um, Tyler Burton from Richmond, who announced his commitment on Wednesday is the most significant of them. And he's a six, seven wing. He averaged 19 points last season. He's, he's really good, but they're like, Lance Ware was a bit player last season at Kentucky. He's going there. I Could see him pop. They got Marilyn Hakeem. Maryland Hakeem Hart, who was an 11 pointer per game guy. He's joining T.J. Bomba from Washington State. And I understand he's not a guy a lot of people saw, but there's also potential there. And when you when you consider what they bring back, it is it, it is an optimistic count for the Big East. There's a lot of just Big East in, in general. GP is is intriguing as hell. Um, Xavier just got a commitment today as well from a, from a really good player in state, but Marquette they lose. Oh, by the way, they lost Omax prosper. Who's going to stick into the draft, right. um, but they'll still be a good team. Creighton brings back what we mentioned. Connecticut's still going to be a factor there. And now Nova and to mention, you know, St. John's with, with, you know, with what they got with Patino and George sounds just interesting, but Nova bringing back Dixon uh, along with Justin Moore, uh, Mark Armstrong, who could be due for a breakout season, I'll be interested to see how Neptune does in year two in a number of ways, like how he's going to spread those minutes out. But um, I think it's a real debate whether or not Nova should be ranked heading into next season. I wouldn't fault you if you did it. Uh, they were seventeen and seventeen last season, and they really found their stride down the stretch, for certainly in the p- final month of the season. GP, but if you were going to count teams among the winners, the three or four biggest winners uh, midweek here, uh, you have to include Villanova in that list. They have been able to remake the roster, and oh by the way, doing it to state the obvious. Jay Wright did not exactly bring in guys in the portal. Now the entire landscape has changed. And part of this is why Wright got out, but um, credits to Neptune for adapting and having to do so. But if Villanova is good next season, it's going to be good in a way that we've never seen Villanova be good before. I'm interested to see if they can get it done.
1: I feel like we've said enough.
0: You feel like man, this was a a Wednesday night emergency pod late night too. I got to be honest show behind the show. We kind of set like, a, Edie's got until this time to say yes or no, and then it's going to wait until Thursday morning. He, he passed that deadline. We agreed. All right, we'll just do it tomorrow. And then GP came around. I was like, you know what? It's time to give Tom Izzo some credit. Mm-hmm. Fire up this emergency pod. I said, okay, let's do it, buddy. I don't
1: like setting a – we might or we might not for 11 p.m., like I, I want to enjoy my night or not enjoy my night. I either I want to work or not work. I don't want to wait around to maybe work and not enjoy my night and all that that entails. So I was like, listen, if we if we don't have a decision by like seven fifteen, eight fifteen, like let's just let's let's punt till tomorrow morning. But when Zach Eady announced, I was still sitting here with um still sitting here in a. I hadn't had any drinks. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so I was like, might as well work. Might, <laughs> well, might as well work. I know, but it's like a Wednesday in the summer where the Mets game on. I might, I might, pop a, I might have a drink. But I didn't. I worked. And so once the uh, executive announced that, I decided, well, this, this is already a boring night for me. Might as well work some more. <laughs> so I decided to keep working. Now we don't have to do this tomorrow morning. You sure? I am a hundred percent sure <laughs> we're not doing this tomorrow morning.
0: No, we are in the clear and Nato, by the way, I know is all too happy uh, about that as well. It was great to, uh, to chat with you, to run it down. Vicini in the chat. Did someone say, vi- Oh, he's here. Vicini. Sam. We- oh, his mic's not working. He said, I want a Mulca- Mulcahy deep tie for the NBA Norlander. I'm not getting, Ah, <laughs> oh, Sam is in the chat. He says, I'm actually on the call. You can't see me. That is correct. You know what, though? We're overdue. We'll get we'll, in all earnestness <laughs> and honesty. Well, we got to mix Sam back into a pot here sometime soon. That's got to happen. Last time he was on was Trivia Time? Uh, my birthday. Correct. Birthday yeah. of 22. So he's overdue. Am
1: I uh, Am I unbelievable at Trivia Time? Is that the story no, of the offseason? I mean, like, I like, basically...
0: Oh, Judah Mintz is also back for Syracuse. Someone mentioned that. That's actually a, a very notable one. Felt 50-50. So I don't want to not mention that as well uh, i i come on man that was that was 82 miles an hour over the plate just a little
1: whoo, who else could have got omar
0: sam hand who even knows think, that person he's an agent now by the way is he really he's something like, i think he's something like that yeah i think that might be uh i think that might be the case may is done mm-hmm. june is here june is here thank you for continuing to listen to the show and uh as news drops we'll we'll have it and we'll have it ready for you but uh Fun little emergency pod. Thank you to Zach Eady for returning to college basketball. Genuinely great storyline for the sport. And we'll see if they can write the redemption that Virginia did. Although I feel like that might even be played out by the time we get to Thanksgiving, but it will be nonetheless something that will uh, be a part of that team moving forward.
1: If you're watching on YouTube, please uh, smash the like button before you get out of here. And with that, allow me to say shouts to Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina, shouts to hook shouts to Larnell, shouts Shouts to to Omar.
0: Oh, I was going to say shout out to Tom Izzo again. So.
1: And Tom Izzo, of course.
0: Who you're I picking can... to finish fifth in the Big Ten. No, no, no. Second.
1: Okay. I, I do have. Let me see where I've got Michigan State. I got Michigan State fifth.
0: Did that mean? Oh, FAU is also getting its guys back, but that's not a surprise. We told you yeah. about that a few shows ago. Did you bump FAU down? No. I've got Kansas one, Purdue two, Duke three, Florida Atlantic four. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm in on the Owls. I love the Owls.
0: Wow. Fourth. We're going to save that for in, the off- for in the preseason.
1: The top five right now, Kansas, Purdue, Duke, Florida, Atlantic, and Michigan State. If Spartan fans take issue with that, take it up with Tommy as That's that. That's exactly right. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify over at Apple. Leave a nice review. Five stars, rate it, review it. There's more of us than there are of them. Hey, real quick, mm-hmm. we're gonna get off. Yeah,
0: grade and this board. Just I'm just wanting GP's grade, and we're not okay. gonna get too many details. Succession finale happen. Grade the finale. Hey, I give I it like an A minus. Thought it was I'm great.
1: I thought it 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 was sensible the way it played out is like the most sensible way for it to play out. And I thought every character found themselves in a position that made sense. I won't spoil it for people who haven't watched it yeah. and whatever, but I thought what, what I want to see in a series finale is something that lands the plane properly and makes sense. I don't want to ever say that's not really the way that would have gone down. And I think the way it went down is exactly the way It could have gone, it probably would have gone down in real life. The
0: thing I liked most about the show, um, and I did enjoy the finale a lot. Uh, I didn't think it knocked it out of the park, but a stand up triple for me is that when I watched it, both in real time and as I reflected after, it did not feel out of step or rhythm with the actual show. It felt like the next episode, which just so happened to be the finale, was a natural progression as to what it should be, and it wasn't uh, gummed up or just presented in a way that just felt so distant from the rest of it. And sometimes finales can really suffer on, under under that, be it the weight of expectations or whatever, but uh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I won't spoil anything either. Uh, one or two small things, but not gonna complain. I thought it was a it was a solid show. I don't put it on my like top five shows of all time because a lot of people do, and it was really good. And I thought it was just a tremendously written, and some of the actors there were just unbelievable. But it was a. Uh, it was a good show, and now we're in the midst of a writer's strike. So, so I'm going to need some. No, I scoops. I actually listen to the official
1: Succession podcast as well, and they bring on the actors who play the characters. You know, like, this time it's the guy who plays Tom, and this time it's the guy who plays yeah. uh, Kendall, and this time it's uh, the woman who plays Shiv. And... Almost every episode, like the the person hosting it is asking all these questions. So what were you thinking here? And what did you do there? And what was this? And they almost at some point, they always say that was just the writing. It was just written that way. Like I just had to perform what was it was. It was on the page as I performed it. They all go out of their way to say, yeah. Uh, Jeremy Strong's great. Brian Cox is great. Karen Colkin is great. Sarah Snook is great. But what really made the show great is the writing. It was a brilliantly written show.
0: Coleman Hawkins, back at Illinois, you got to call Tom Fornelli. Choo choo!
1: <laughs> Don't let me get on that Illinois train again because I might struggle
0: lut- <laughs> <Schwabble> right, <now.BLANKlaughs> right now. Actually, because I might. You listen carefully, the tracks. Because I'm shaking right clar- now. Because I'm shaking right now. Coleman I'm... Hawkins. Back at Illinois, I'm glad we extended that this episode by four minutes so we get one more bit of news before we're on the way out. That is huge. I don't know if GP will put them there. I'm telling you right now, when I got to do my master ranking, longer than a seven-minute read, come October, Illinois will be somewhere in the top twenty-five.
1: I'll take a look at it. I'll text uh, whoever's Tom Brunelli's next of kin. I'll see what they think, and then we'll uh, we'll go from there. We're done. We'll talk to you again sometime soon. Till then, take care.